Yeah. All right, let's stand and take our Bibles tonight. We're back in the Old Testament. <coughs> First Chronicles. First Chronicles tonight. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 11 and 12. I'm going to be jumping around there a little bit. I'm excited about the message tonight and uh, probably more excited than probably how it sounds this evening. But you, you just bear with me tonight. And we're praying that the Lord would meet with us this evening for First Chronicles 11 and 12. And I just want us to read three verses, and then we're going to take some verses out tonight. And you're going to have fun with me. And if you don't have fun with me, I'm going to have fun by myself. Amen? And we're just going to have a good time tonight going through the Word of God. Such a wonderful passage. And ask God for something fresh and different. The Lord would help our church this evening. And help me is helping me now. I pray it will help you. Say amen if you're in First Chronicles chapter 11. How many are in First Corinthians? Just want to be certain, okay? First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 1. All right. Then all Israel gathered themselves to David unto Hebron. Now, I want you to underline the word Hebron. I'm going to say something about Hebron at the end. Then all Israel gathered themselves to David unto Hebron, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. And moreover, in time past, even when Saul was king, thou was he that led us out and brought us in Israel. And the Lord thy God said unto thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be ruler over my people Israel. Therefore came all the elders of Israel to the king of Hebron. And David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. Looking at some men tonight, chapters 11 and 12. It's all about men. Ladies, no discrimination, but there's no ladies mentioned here. But when we talk about men, we're talking about the people of God. These men who are here go down in history as being known as David's mighty men. That's their moniker, David's mighty men. And uh, we're going to see some things recorded here tonight. If you're not familiar with these verses, it'll thrill your heart. If you are familiar with it, I just pray it'll be something fresh for you tonight. And you have to correlate this with 2 Samuel chapter 2. When what we just read, that's what happened there. The elders of Judah came to him and anointed David king over all of Judah. He was anointed king over Judah for seven years first. And then at the end of seven years, afterwards Israel came and the kingdom was united. Reminded tonight as we go in this message about two illustrations I want to give you before we have prayer. First illustration, a single woman was desperately looking for a husband. And so she put an ad in the newspaper. This is before social media and all that kind of stuff. And her ad was very simple because she didn't have a lot of money. She said, she wrote this down, husband wanted, please reply. Now, ladies, please don't do that, okay? You single ladies in church, don't, do not do that, all right? But she put in the newspaper, husband wanted, please reply. Immediately, she got 20 in 24 hours, within a 24 hours period of time, she got 500 responses back, but they weren't from men. They were from women who said, here's my husband, you can have mine. <laughs> I told this last week. Ernest Shackleton was looking for men to go with him on a journey to Antarctica, one of the great British explorers of his time. And he put this advertisement, which I'm going to read again. He said this, men want it for hazardous darkness and constant danger. Safe return, doubtful. Honor and recognition in case of success. Thousands of men who read that article and that want ad responded to Ernest Shackleton 
These men made a choice. They made a choice not for fame or for fortune, probably more for adventure. But they made a choice in going with Ernest Shackleton. And tonight we're looking at a record here in chapters 11 and 12 of men who made a choice. They made the most important choice of their lives. Tonight I want to preach you a message entitled, They Made Their Choice. They made their choice. And we want to see some things about these men that should thrill our hearts and energize us as members of a local New Testament church. Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you, Lord. David said, I love the Lord because he's heard my supplications. We're thankful for your goodness and grace upon us. We're praying and asking God even right now that you meet with us tonight in this auditorium. I pray first for many of our people who are away, they're on vacation, some in, tr- in transit right now, and uh, some who are sick and ill, that, Lord, your mercies would be with them. Bless them as they have some family time. And uh, then tonight, for the church family here and those watching by live stream, we pray that, God, that you would open your word afresh and anew to us and speak to us. And, uh, God, even as David said of the word of God, he said, it's more to be desired than gold. Yea, then find gold, sweeter also than the honeycomb and the honey, and the Lord for their soul. And uh, today, Lord, we just pray that you'd help us to taste and see that the Lord is good and that you would uh, do something in our hearts about what we see about these men here. And I pray especially for all the men here tonight, our adult men, our younger men, all the men here this evening, that the Lord would just touch our hearts about our affiliation, our association with the Heritage Baptist Church and working past Many, many other things that sometimes can be very distracting. We pray that our focus would be on the same thing that these men that we'll talk about tonight had upon King David. Thank you tonight for this service. We pray that if someone here tonight is not saved, that before they leave tonight, they'd come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Bless our service tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I kind of feel like this tonight, um, and I know we have our crowd's a little bit smaller, but that's fine. It's not the crowd that counts so much tonight. But I feel like we're in a very exciting time in our church. Amen? I feel like there's just wonderful things God's doing. I'm thankful for Brother Wei Shong, who got baptized today, and uh, coming from a very difficult immigrant background in life, and many trials he's had along the way, and for him taking the decision to get baptized. I'm thankful next Sunday, should the, the Lord Terry be, is coming, that we have people we're lining up for next Sunday to get baptized. I'm thankful for salvation decisions and records of that. We had recently a, 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 a special event here at church, and we had folks that came for a good number of folks that came for a special event. And one of them was a lady who lives very, very, very close to our church, just off the street here, off Juniper. And uh, Friday, she just came through the church in the lobby. I wasn't here at the time, and she was a little bit distraught. In fact, she was very distraught, and one of the staff member ladies met with her, and she's very distraught. She said, I need to see the pastor, Mrs. Fogg. She says, uh, my, my granddaughter had an accident. She had she tipped some scalding, boiling water on her, and it scalded her, and she got terrible third-degree burns, and is in San Francisco, and she said, they're, they're, doing, they're doing skin grafts on her right now, and I'm very, very just distraught about that. And so we talked with her a little bit there. My wife talked to her a little bit to help her. And, but the lady still was very distraught. And we had a class here on, on Thursday night, on Friday night. And as soon as we got home, it was late, about 1030. And we're just kind of just getting in the house. And the phone rang. My wife took the, 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 the phone and tried to comfort the lady along the way. And she saw the, an opening there and started talking to the lady about the Lord Jesus Christ. We praised the Lord. The lady trusted Jesus Christ, her Savior. A grandmother, probably in her 70s, trusted Christ, her Savior. And an amazing thing about it, she says, I know I'm a sinner. 
I know I need to get saved. And she says, I know Jesus died for my sins. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. And, uh, you know, these are exciting times that I can tell you about things about just some wonderful salvation decisions our church has seen through many different people who've, uh, who've shared Christ with them. Uh, April 16th, next Sunday, uh, throughout just the United States as a whole, Resurrection Day Sunday is a big day. Lots of people will be out. I was encouraged by many uh, uh, preacher friends who have been messaging about uh, their, out, their outreach yesterday and this coming Saturday and getting flyers out and inviting people to Resurrection Day Sunday. And then we're looking forward to April 30th for the big day and just having a large attendance day. And I'm just thankful that police and firefighters and first responders will be here and we get to preach the gospel again to them. And, and perhaps maybe that this coming this year that some of them will get saved there. And I'm looking forward to family members coming and first-time people coming. I'm thinking about this morning uh, a family that came to church that God put on my heart this, this week. I was just praying through some people and hadn't seen them for a while, and uh, I started praying for them. And lo and behold, as we started the service, the mother walked down with two of her children sat right there in the middle. I said, praise the Lord, God answered prayer again. Amen? And they came to church and waited for us after the service. We're way after we were done talking with people, said, hey, we're glad to be back in church. We hope to be back here on more, more, more frequent basis. Praise the Lord for that. These are exciting days for the church, and these are days where God calls on us to roll up our sleeves and for everyone to be all in. And so tonight, I thought it was very fitting to get back into our series that I, I didn't finish up as we were coming to the end of 1 Samuel, and frankly, we're into 2 Samuel right now. In 1 Samuel, our theme was about David coming to the kingdom, and the theme was entitled, The King is Coming. Now we're in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. David has come to the throne. The theme is now no longer the king is coming, the king has come. Amen? The king is here. And we're going to be looking at the reign of David as it begins here. And as David comes to the kingdom, I want you to notice here in 2 Samuel 2, 2 1 Chronicles 11, 1 Chronicles 12, these three chapters describe the men who came to David. Now, before we look at David, we've got to look at the men who came to David. This traces itself all the way back to the cave of Dulam, and then subsequent to that, when he was a Ziglag, many more of these men came. In fact, we read about this here in chapter 12. All of chapter 12 is when he was a Ziglag and was still associated with the Philistines. A number of these men came down to him and associated themselves with David down there in that stronghold. They didn't let the danger of the Philistines Philistines and, and, uh, and Saul's madness affect them. They just decided, you know, we've got to get along with David. Now, God, as you know, put his anointing upon David to establish the kingdom of God, the kingdom there of, of, for God's glory there. And uh, David's whole goal for the, the years that he was king was to build a kingdom for the glory of God. It would stand out among all the nations of the world. In fact, David talked about that. He had a vision of that in 1 Samuel 17 when he took on uh, Goliath the giant, he talked about the fact that all the earth may know that there's a God in heaven. He had a vision of God building his kingdom through the nation of Israel. I'm not really sure he had a clue how God was going to do it. I'm not really sure he had a clue who God would put alongside him, but God brought those people to him. And so God was bringing some men to David. They were not necessarily men of David's choice, but God brought these men to him. You see, in order to build a kingdom, in order to build a church, you've got to have people. Amen? In order to build anything, you've got to have people. You've got to have the right people to get you there. God gave him the men God gave him men that were undaunted. God gave him men that were unusual. God gave him men, as we will read this in chapters 11 and 12, they were unbelievable. These men decided to give their lives to building God's kingdom. These men decided to make a difference in the world. These men decided to pledge their lives in forming a federation that was unbeatable. These men made the most important choice of their lives. These men made their choice. Would you notice the choices 
these men made. And this is important for us tonight, because this evening, you got to choose this evening. You've got to choose. You either serve God or you're not serving God. You've got to decide tonight, you're going to live for God, you're not going to live for God. You're going to decide tonight, you're on fire for God, you're not on fire for God. You're going to decide tonight, you're in a Baptist church, you're not in a Baptist church. You're going to decide tonight, you're going to be an on-fire Christian or not on-fire for Christian. You've got to decide tonight. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you'll serve. These men made a choice. Hey, it's about time we get rid of the Sunday morning mentality. Sunday morning mentality makes no commitments. Sunday morning mentality is good for a crowd, doesn't build a church. We've got to decide, we're going to make a choice. We're going to serve God, live for God, get up for God, and tell our community there's a church doing something for God. I'm saying this evening, these men made a choice. Number one, which you notice if you have your notes in front of you, chapter 12, verse 1, they chose David. The very first thing they did was they chose David. Now, a lot of people come to church and they may make their decision, well, I made my choice because of... uh, the music, and I made my choice maybe because of uh, personalities, or I've got some friends there. Those all good things. But I want to tell you tonight, your number one choice for coming to church is because of Jesus. That's your reason. And notice chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now these are they that came to David to Ziglag, while he yet kept himself close Because of Saul, the son of Kish. And what that means is he was inside the encampment of the Philistines. He was in enemy territory. David made an unwise decision for 16 months by living with the Philistines. It's interesting. The the naming of these men who came to Ziglag didn't consider that a risk. What they were looking at is who they would be associating with. They were more concerned about who David represented there. And I'll say some things about Saul in a minute. But these men, if you read this here... These men chose David. Notice chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 again. Then all Israel gathered themselves to David unto Hebron, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. And moreover, in time past, even when Saul was king, thou was he that led us out and brought us in Israel. Now they saw leadership in David long before he came to the throne. They saw leadership in him. They saw, they saw his shepherding qualities. They saw his leadership qualities. He said, thou was he that led us out and brought us in. And I think they're talking about 1 Samuel 18 when you have time to read that later on. And he says, they said, he said, and the Lord thy God said unto thee, they were there, they heard what the Lord said to him, thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be ruler over my people Israel. And so these men, they made a choice. They chose David. They chose David as their leader. They chose David as their captain. Notice verse 2. They chose David as their shepherd. They chose David as their king. David is a picture in all of this of the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea is choose Jesus tonight. Choose Jesus. If you're not saved tonight, choose Jesus as your Savior. Choose Jesus this evening. He's the best choice you can make. Amen? Choose Jesus as your Lord. Choose Jesus as your counselor. Choose Jesus instead of your logic. Choose Jesus instead of your career. Choose Jesus instead of your wealth. Be like George Beverly Shea, who said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. When you get down to the bottom line, all the choices we make are about this. Am I choosing Jesus? And then you fill in the blank. Am I choosing Jesus or am I choosing my car? Am I choosing Jesus or am I choosing my sport? Am I choosing Jesus or am I choosing to make money instead of God? Am I choosing Jesus or am I choosing Barabbas? Am I choosing Jesus or I want to go here? Am I choosing Jesus or am I going to... What are you choosing? I mean, the bottom line is now, what are you choosing? These men... David didn't offer any prospects to them. 
in terms of material wealth. He didn't offer any prospects to them as far as financial security. He didn't even offer any prospects to them as far as protection. But they looked at David and compared him to Saul. They saw Saul's life. Saul was just stuck, going nowhere. Saul was just was a madman going in circles, chasing after David when he needed to be building the defense system of the, of the country, and he wasn't. And these men were realizing the situation was going nowhere fast, and they wanted to get under David. These men chose David because they saw a future. These men chose David because they saw stability. You see, everything in this world is just like Saul. It has no direction, no security, and no future. I'm saying this evening, choose Jesus. Don't be double-minded. Don't sit in the middle and decide, well, today God is great. Tomorrow God is not great. Don't say, Dave, today church is doing good and tomorrow church is doing good. Hey, listen, church is not doing justice because we've got a big day and we have a wonderful day. The soul's going to say every regular Sunday is a big day. Every regular Sunday is a big day. It's a day where God is to be glorified. I'm saying this evening, these men chose David. They chose David. Secondly, notice something else. They chose to be devoted. Look at chapter 12, verses 16 to 18. By the way, some of you older Christians look around you, someone new to the church. We have several new first timers to uh, Sunday night or returning visitors. If they don't, if they look like they're a little confused and need someone, would you help them sit around and help them out here tonight? First Chronicles 12, look at verse 16. And there came, notice this, of the children of Benjamin. What was Saul? Talk to me. Hey, these are his cousins. Saul's a madman. He's chasing after David. There came of the children of Benjamin and Judah to the hold unto David. That's back at Ziklag. And David went out to meet them. And he answered, said unto them, If you become peaceably unto me to help me, my heart shall be knit unto you. But if you come to betray me to my enemies, seeing there is no wrong in my hand, the God of our fathers looked thereon and rebuke it. Watch this in verse 18. Then the spirit came upon Amasiah, who was the chief of the captain. He's the head honcho. He's the number one guy. He's representing a federation of men that came to David. Then the spirit came upon Amasiah, who was chief of the captains. And he said, Thine are we, David, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse. Peace, peace be unto thee, and peace be to thy helpers, for thy God helpeth thee. Then David received them and made them captains of the band. Notice verse 18. He said, Thine we are and on thy side. Peace, peace to thine helpers. For thy God helpeth thee. Now these men were looking from a distance. They were not up close. But they were keeping track of what was happening. They were keeping track of where David was at and what was happening. And they were amazed at how God was protecting him. They were amazed that David did not have a vindictive spirit. They were amazed at the opportunity David had to take Saul out and he didn't do so. They saw that he, he respected God's anointed there. And so these men represent one thing. These men were devoted. Now it's a wonderful thing when a person takes Jesus as a savior. But many people don't go beyond that faith decision. They're just content with taking Jesus as if they bought a fire insurance policy from hell and that's all they've got to do. Hey, listen, you, you, when you get in, when you get into the Christian life, you're to stay in the Christian life and you're to go further in the Christian life. You're to go on. It's like I said this morning, when Jesus died for us on the cross, he died to give us purpose. The Bible says that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and gave himself for them. Listen, the next step after you get saved is to be devoted, to be devoted to the Lord. Listen, devotion's a wonderful thing. Devotion is something that happens when 
You give your heart to someone else. You're saying, I pledge my loyalty. I pledge my faith. I pledge my fidelity. I pledge my favor. I pledge my finances. I pledge my faithfulness. I'm devoted to you. I'm not in devotion. Whenever you hear the word devotion, it's not talking about 90% devoted or 80% devoted. The word devotion always implies 100% commitment of what we're doing. And these men came completely devoted. These men left a lot of things behind. And they said, we're coming to David. Look again. He said, thine we are, David. Thine we are. We belong to you and we're on thy side. These men were on the side of David. Notice verse 38, some things in chapter 12, verse 38. It says, and all these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart. Notice again, to Hebron to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest also of Israel would have one heart to make David king. I like what I'm reading there. These men had one heart. These men came with a perfect heart. They came to Hebron. Write down the, name, the, the definition for the word Hebron. I'll say something at the end. Hebron means association. They came to be associated with something. They were tired of being on a losing side. They wanted to be on the winning side. Amen. They wanted to be. These were men that could keep rank. I want you to understand something. These are desperados. These are mercenaries. Mercenaries, desperados, they can't keep rank. Once they lose their attention, they start to fight and they politic and they power play. And they want to, they're jockeying for power. They're jockeying for position. In fact, as I compare these men in chapters 11 and 12 to the apostles before Jesus got crucified, these men, I'd rather have them as apostles than those men at that time. Amen. These men are not jockeying for position. These men have sold themselves out to say, we're going to, we're going to represent the, uh, David in, in advancing the kingdom. These were Benjamites that came to David. I mean, they weren't betraying Saul. They were basically saying, look it, we know who, who God has his blessing on. We know where the anointing is. We know where we got a future here. We know there's a direction here. They were Saul's brethren that came to him. They became devoted to a man of faith. They realized they were going to pledge their all. Devotion is keeping rank, not being of a double heart. They chose to be devoted. I'm saying tonight... Heritage Baptist Church, members of the church, men of the church, be devoted. Be devoted to Jesus Christ. Let's decide tonight. Let's stop this. Put down your professionalism. Let's get back. Before we knew all the Bible, we knew all the, we knew all the routine of how we run church. Let's get back to that place where we were humble and we had a tender heart, receptive and a meekness of spirit. And we just said, whatever you want me to do, I'm there. I appreciate this morning with all the things going on today. One of the men sent me a text message early this morning. He said, Preacher, is there anything I can help you with today? Let me know. I'm right here. I appreciate that spirit. I praise God for him. I didn't have anything to give him today. Amen. But I'll just say this this morning. Praise God for that kind of spirit. That's the kind of spirit these men had. These men re- realized that to advance the kingdom, and it was a big job, and a hard job, and a difficult job, they had to put everything aside and be devoted to the Lord. They had to be devoted to David. Be devoted to the vision and the program of the church. Be devoted to Resurrection Sunday next Sunday. Be devoted to Big Day. Sunday. Be devoted to when we have the teachers training teachers. Don't say, oh, another Saturday. Hey, guess what? It's a privilege to teach in Heritage Baptist Church. I could fire you at any time. Teachers come in halfway. You're not all the way in it. Get into it. I like what Adoniram Judson said. The motto of every missionary, whether preacher, printer, or schoolmaster, ought to be devoted for life. These men chose David. These men chose to be devoted. Notice thirdly, these men chose to be dynamic. Notice some things about these men. Look at chapter 12, verse 2. Actually, go to verse 1. These are they that came to David to Ziglag. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. They were armed with bows. And this is awesome. They could use both the right hand and the left hand. That reminds me of a guy that I knew, that a preacher that I knew. And this guy, he was just so inconspicuous. 
But this little guy, he, I don't think he weighed 120 pounds. He was the bodyguard, this pastor that was about 6'2 or something like that, 6'1. Followed him everywhere. And I started talking to the brother one day and I said, hey, uh, he said, are you packed? He said, yeah, I'm packed. And he showed me what he did. And he says, come with me to the range one day. I want to show you something. And I said, as long as I'm not the target, I'll come with you to the range. Amen. And I went with him down to the range. And, and uh, he said, I want to show you something here. And he took his right hand and he started. He didn't miss anything. He just gave him away. Then he shifted, reloaded, used his left hand. He didn't miss anything there. I said, I said, well, that's pretty impressive. He said, look it. I'm going to protect this man. He said, if something goes down, he said, whether it's my right hand or my left, if they take my right hand out, I'm going to still use my left hand. That's what these men were thinking. They were thinking, if we're going to come help our king, we're going to help our, our, our king to advance things. They said, we're going to be able to do the right hand and the left hand and hurling stones and shooting arrows at a bow. Now, these men were descendants of the same Benjamites that we read about over in the book of Judges that could use the right hand or the left. They were very skilled men. They were very expert men. They worked at what they did. Notice something else. Go to chapter 11. Look at some of these men that came to David. I'm talking about men that were dynamic. Notice in chapter 11, verse 11, we read about a man by the name of Joshua Beam. Now, we read about him here, and we read about him in 2 Samuel 23. And his name in 2 Samuel 23 is Adino, and uh, it's the same thing. And it says here, and this is the number of the mighty men. We're in chapter 11, verse 11. This is the number of the mighty men whom David had. Jehoshabim, a hackmanite, a chief of the captains. Notice this. He lifted up his spear against 300 slain by him at one time. I mean, think with me for a minute. He took on 300 men at one time with a spear and didn't drop his spear. He didn't ask for time out. He defeated them all at one time. Now, here's something even more awesome. You go to the account in 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23 says he slew 800 men. You said, which one is right? Both are right. He's two different battles. A dynamic man. Notice something else here. We read now about Jehoshaphat, look at chapter, uh, chapter 11, look at verse 12. And a man by the name of Eliezer. Eliezer means, my God is my helper. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Now, I'd be a mighty man if my dad's name was Dodo too, amen, you know. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, who was one of the three mighties. He was with David at Pasdaman. And there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, where was a parcel ground full of barley. Now, you understand this tonight. When enemies attack, they always go after food supply. They can take your food supply, they can cut off your water and get your food supply. They've won most of the battle right there because they've cut off your resources there. And so the Philistines had surveyed the land of Israel. They said, look over there, there's, a, there's, a, there's some barley, there's a, a piece of ground full of barley. Barley to them was a staple, just like rice would be. It was a staple. They said, we've got to go after that barley ground. Now that was somebody's inheritance. And that was somebody's ground that their forefather had, had, had passed down to them. And the Bible says here, there was a parcel of ground full of barley. And the people fled from before the Philistines. Here's what the people were thinking including the owners of the land. They said that land is not worth keeping. That land is not worth fighting for. That land, let's just let it go. Who cares? It's just a bunch of barley. But not this man Eliezer, because as he was there, David was there. And the Bible says David and Eliezer, they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and they delivered it and slew the Philistines and the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. Now I want you to understand something. They stayed there until the battle was done. Just like Jehoshaphat, he stayed there and defeated 300 men one time, 800 men another time. Now you watch this. As you read this, sometimes they'll say, well, that's a scribal error that happened. That is not a scribal error. It's two different incidents. If there's a scribal error, that means you can't trust the Word of God. 
Not a scribal error there. You notice right here, this man Eliezer, he stood his ground, he protected the ground. He says, nobody else cares about the ground, I care about the ground. Nobody else wants to defend the barley, I'll defend the barley. And listen, everybody else might get upset, they may leave the church, they may forsake everything. You hold your ground and stand up for Jesus, amen? Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. I'm just saying this man Eliezer. Then notice we go on a little bit further. And notice we read about a man by the name of Benaiah, verse 22. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. The son of a valiant man, a cabziel, who had done, notice, many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. I mean, just the description there, talking about two men of Moab that were like lions. These men were fierce. These men were brave. These men were courageous. These men were strong. These men, you didn't put them down on the first punch or the first kick. These men got back up. It says he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Then incident number two, one day he went down to a pit in a snowy day and he slew a lion in a pit. The lion didn't pick a fight with him. He went down to the pit to pick a fight with the lion. He went down to the pit on a snowy day. I mean, understand, no matter what kind of shoes you stand in, fighting in snow is very difficult. He took on that lion and he slew the lion in the pit on a snowy day. And to top things off, look at verse 23. And he slew an Egyptian. Notice, a man of great stature, five cubits high. That's about seven feet, five inches tall. And he, and in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. This guy has got some muscle and he's got some tools he's got a spear like a weaver's beam and he went down to him with a staff and he plucked the spear of the egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear and the bible says in verse 24 these things did benaiah the son of jehoiada and had the name among the three mighties none about you i read about jehoshabim i read about the three men before that that went down to bethlehem and risked their lives to get a cup of cold water for david i read about benaiah here i read about jehoshabim I read about the acts of these men. I don't know about you, but it, it inspires me. Amen. It inspires me. It makes me want to do something for God. It makes me look at what I've done and how, how much I pale in significance to these men. These men were dynamic. They were on fire. They were there to win. They were there to stay. They were not quitters. They stayed until they got the job done. They did the dirty work. They did what nobody else was willing to do. They went down and defended the ground. They went down and beat a lion. They went down and took on Egyptian. They did what other men would not do. Other men ran those those men stood. Other men said it can't be done. They said it will be done. Other men said it's not possible. They said it's possible. These men got the job done. They took immense risks. They accepted the challenges. They proved themselves as the best of the best. They got tired of letting their peers define them. And they said, we're going to define our peers. We're going to define who we are by getting courage and resilience and stamina and, 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 and audacity to do things there. They wanted to be heroic and they were. They would not throw away David and they would not throw away the country. These men came to David. They were virtual unknowns before all this happened. But God saw these men. He saw in their hearts a desire to help King David advance the cause of Jesus Christ. They were not status quo. They were dynamic men. Listen tonight, church family. I love you tonight. This is a great church. we got great people. But churches are built. Churches go forward. Churches have a future with dynamic people. People that have dynamic spiritual lives. People that have dynamic praying. People that win souls. People that are into discipling. People that are excited about the church and put all their heart into singing. They're putting all their work into serving God. They can't wait to serve God. They can't wait to get to church. They can't wait to put themselves in what they're doing. These are dynamic people. Listen, I've been around enough around the country to know this. Churches that are going somewhere for God, they're filled with dynamic people. They just decide we're not going to quit. We're going to stay. Even if we're the last one, we're going to get the job done. We're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to take some risks. We'll get the final dollar to the offering. They're built by dynamic people. I want to ask you tonight, would you be dynamic for Jesus? Didn't get a lot of amens on that.
We get some men that will go down to pit to fight a lion on a snowy day. We get some men to defend the ground, to remove not the ancient landmarks. We get some men to stop saying, it's not possible, it is possible. All things are possible to him that believeth. God is the God of the impossible. Mighty men are dynamic men. They chose David. They chose to be devoted. They chose to be dynamic. Notice fourth, they chose to be distanced. Look at chapter 12, verse 8. And of the Gadites, is one of many groups that came to David. And by the way, the Gadites were not a big tribe. The Gadites, they separated themselves unto David, unto the whole, to the wilderness, men of might, men of war, fit for the battle, that could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and were swift as the rows upon the mountains. They were like these Benjamites we read about in verse 18. They distanced themselves. And what are you talking about, Pastor Farr, about distancing themselves? They separated themselves from people that were holding them back. They distanced themselves from dissenters. They distanced themselves from men who were not for David. Saul was not for David. They said the more Saul criticized David, the more God made David to shine. The more they criti- Saul criticized David, the more God vindicated David and validated David before the right. Amen. Look, David killed the giant. David killed 200 Philistines to gain the favor of Saul for, for his daughter's hand in marriage. I mean, David, David well more than had proven himself. The Bible says that David was, was a wise man in what he did. These men decided. They evaluated. They looked at the works. They looked at the character. They looked behind scenes and before the scenes. They they looked, they did the character background check and they made this decision. They would distance themselves. They distanced themselves from men who do not have convictions. They distanced themselves from men who are unsound and not serious about the kingdom. I'm going to say this to you tonight. The Bible tells us this. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Corrupt friendships will hold you back. Corrupt friendships will not help you to go forward. Corrupt friendships want you to conform to them instead of conforming to Jesus Christ. And please don't be offended tonight, but some of us tonight need to separate ourselves from people that are trying to steal your devotion and take your heart from God. Some of us need to distance ourselves from people who are not committed. And some of us need to distance ourselves from people who are not living, who are living in sin. And some of us need to distance ourselves from people that don't have the right standards and they're wishy-washy about being a Baptist church. And they'll tell you their preferences when really the conviction here, being Baptist is not a preference. Being Baptist is being a conviction. I'm saying tonight, you need to distance yourself from some things and some principles, some philosophies, the crazy stuff that you read on the internet and the knucklehead books that you read off your shelf. Get into the Word of God and separate yourself unto Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you this evening, as they separate themselves from the Benjamites and the Gadites, separate themselves from the other group, guess what they did? When you separate from something, you're separating to something. Guess what they did? David's over here and they separate themselves to David. These were men that distanced themselves. They were men that were devoted. They were men that were dynamic. They chose David. Listen tonight, but notice something else. They chose to defend. Eliezer held that position. He defended a plot of ground. Would you die for the word of God? Would you take a bullet for Jesus? Would you take a bullet for the gospel? These men were defenders. They weren't getting on board because there was a reward. They were getting on board because there were risks. They were getting on board because they had fame. 
They were getting on board because they knew it was going to be hard work. They were getting on board because they got something. By the way, these were men, very strong eagles in person. Guess what they did? Hey, I can take second place. I can let David be my captain. You know, the problem is when people have a problem with authority, your problem is not with the authority. Your problem is with God. Your children have problems with you. Their problem is not with you. Their problem is with God first. That's why God kept telling Moses, don't, don't be offended by what they tell you. Their problem is with me, not with you. Listen, if you've got a problem with me tonight, your problem is not with me. Your problem is with God. Because you won't submit to his authority. you got a problem with somebody else in church. Your problem's not with them. Your problem's with God. And just like these men, they decided to get their hearts right. They came to David when he's down in Adullam. He had nothing to offer these men. They got their hearts right with God. They got their hearts right with David. They said tonight, hey, we're going to pledge ourselves to David. And these men decided they were going to defend something. They're going to represent something. They felt the kingdom is worth defending. I'm telling you tonight, we may be in the 21st century. And this might be the electronic age and the digital age. But I'm going to tell you something. The church of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about a church like Heritage Baptist Church. It's worth defending. Listen, I'm the gospel tonight is worth defending. Your Baptist conviction is worth defending. Living for Christ and getting the gospel is worth defending. Listen tonight. Stop listening to the nonsense that's out there and listen to the word of God. And say, Jesus, give me your power, your ability to get the job done. They were defenders. They were soldiers of grace. Notice repeatedly we read, they were men of war. They're ready and armed to the war. They're ready to fight for the kingdom and not with the kingdom. Mighty men know who the enemy is. And the enemy is not on the inside. The enemy is on the outside. Mind you, not our fight is with the devil. Parents, every, every battle you have with your teenager, every battle you have with your children, you're having a fight with the devil. The devil's trying to destroy your home. I'll tell you tonight, your fight needs to be against humanism tonight, parents. If you've got your kids in some kind of public institution, you are fighting with humanism and atheism and all the rest of it, and they're perverting and twisting the minds and thoughts of your, ch- your children. Listen, they're trying to give them what, what I talked about yesterday, about a, another gospel, a perverted gospel, a different way. They're trying to get you to reason through things. Listen, faith cannot be reasoned. Don't be like the Jews who have to see and then they believe. Be a real-life Christian who says, I believe and then I can see. The fight is against the flesh. And how many understand tonight? How many believe your flesh is a terrible enemy? Amen. I don't care how strong you think you are. Paul said this. When I want to do right, evil is always with me. That was the great apostle Paul. He said, my flesh dwelleth no good thing. He should put no confidence in the flesh. We're battling with the flesh. We're battling with Satan. We're battling with this world. Our fight is for our families. Our fight is for our church. Our fight is for our purity. Our fight is for holiness. Our fight is that God would be exalted. Our fight is for the word of God. I'm saying tonight, these men came over to fight with David against these enemies. They said, we dying we are. They were armed to the battle. They were prepared. They were ready. They proved themselves. They represented themselves. They were ready to fight for David. These men were defenders. These men were defenders. These men were devoted. These men were dynamic. These men were distanced. These men chose David. But one notice something else. These men chose to be different. Go to chapter 12. Oh, excuse me, chapter 11. Let me see where I'm at here. Yeah, chapter 11. Let me give you some fun tonight. Look at some of the names of these men that came to David. Write these down. I'm not, I didn't have time to get into all this for you tonight. We need to close here in a minute. Write this down. Joshua Beam. You know what his name means? The people will return. That's a blessing. <laughs> Eliezer. God is my helper. Ahiezer. My brother's help. That's a blessing. Can you imagine David saying that in Hebrew? Ahiezer. He said, that man's a blessing. Jeziel. Assembly of God. That's a blessing. Pellet. Deliverance. Baraka, which means blessing. Yehu, 
Jehovah is he. Ishmael, Jehovah will hear. Jeremiah, who God has appointed. Jehaziel, beheld of God. Johanan, Jehovah's grace. Josabad, Jehovah's endowed. Eliezer, his hand claved to the sword. The Gadites, their faces were like the faces of lions, and they were swift as a rose upon the mountains. The Gadites, look at this, the Gadites, the least was captain over a hundred, and the greatest was captain over a thousand. Hey man, that's the kind of guys I need right now, amen? Captain over hundreds, captain over a thousand. Hey, look at over here. It says here about Zadok there, and it says, uh, that there were men that went over the Jordan the first month when it overflowed the bank. Some of them read about the Jordan River incident, and they read about how when they crossed the Jordan, it was overflowing the bank. They said, listen, if they, if they could do it during Joshua's time, we can do it during our time. We'll make our way across the river. We don't care about the risk. We don't care which way the current's flowing. We don't care what it, what it does to us. We're going to make our way and get all the way to the other side. I like that. That encourages me. And then we read about this. There's a, there's a man by the name of Zadok. Zadok in chapter 12, verse 28. He was a young man, mighty man of valor. Zebulon, they could keep rank and not double-hearted. Mighty men are different men. They're not status quo. They don't fall in the line with people that just go wherever it goes. They are men who are discerning. They are men that want to make a difference. They were different men. They were different in their loyalty. They were different in their devotion. They were different in their faithfulness. They were different in their Bible reading. They were different in their faith. They were different in their love. They were different in their fight for God. I mean, they were different men. I'm saying this evening, dynamic church is great. Praise the Lord. But we've got to have men that will be different. Be different from the world. Be different from your coworkers. Be different from your schoolmates at school. You don't conform to your schoolmates. Conform to Jesus Christ. But here's the problem. Well, if I don't, my peers won't like me. They're not your your friends anyway. They'll drop you like a hot potato. Well, you don't say my neighbor don't like me. Hey, tell you this, your neighbor doesn't like you now anyway, amen? Well, you don't understand. They'll drop my name off the roll. Your name shouldn't be on the roll anyway. They want to say one thing about a member of Heritage Baptist Church is devoted, dynamic, distance, different. I realize we have a busy church and we have a lot of professionals. So a lot of you, your schedules, you don't control a lot of things. But for those of us who can, we ought to be devoted. I tell our guys all the time. Guys, if just one person shows up or a thousand people show up, the crowd does not affect the message. The message still gets preached the same. It's still the word of God. If you're motivated by the people more than you're motivated by the word of God, we've got a problem with our heart. These men were different. Do you know dependable people are different? Faithful people are different? People transparent are different? People that are separated are different. And, and you know, you tell them they're, they're Baptists. You know, most people you tell them Baptists, they have enough idea about this. Oh, you're one of those. Oh, oh, you know, whoa, you know. And I go, yeah, whoa to you too, you know. <laughs> Chapter 11, 12, there's some great men in here. Amazing thing about all these men. None of them desired to be the king. All of them said, we came to help the king. We came to help the king. David's a picture of Jesus. They came to help Jesus. 
You have to get the job done. And by the way, if you read, when we get to the end of 2 Samuel, David didn't have problems with his enemies. You know why? He had the right men. He had the right men. If you can have an Eliezer, who the Bible describes him this way, his hand grew weary, but his hand claved the sword, you can build a kingdom on that. You got a Benaiah who'll jump down into the pit. I'm not going to jump down in this pit, but. On a snowy day. And fight with a lion who's hungry and angry and beat him. You can build something with that kind of guy. And then on top of that, he sees an Egyptian who's seven foot five inches tall. Guy's got a spear the size of the, the, the width of his like a weaver's beam. He goes down there with a staff. Plucks, the, sta- plucks the, the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and defeats the Egyptian with his own spear. You can build something with a guy like that. And by the way, did you know something? All these heroic deeds about these men, they happened before they came to David. Oh. oh. It happened before they came to David. People with convictions are different. People who love Jesus are different. People get all into something, they're different. These men were different. These are the kind of men to help David build a kingdom. They chose David. They chose to be devoted. They chose to be dynamic. They chose to be distanced. They chose to defend. They chose to be different. Last thing. Would you write this down? Listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. You ready? They chose until death. They chose unto death. Let me tell you about two men in this record here. Their names are listed here. The first martyr among David's men was one of Joab's brother. In fact, the youngest one, Asahel. Asahel. The Bible describes him. He was swift as a roe. This guy could run. He was quick. He's listed one of the 30 mighties. And early on, we'll read about this as we get to that section there. He's chasing after Abner. And Abner's experienced and Abner's wily and Abner's a seasoned, seasoned soldier there. He told Asaph, man, you better stop following me, man. I'm going to I'm gonna hurt you, dude. You better leave me alone. And he just kept on running. Now, there's, there's a lesson behind it, but I just want you to follow this. Asaph, in spite of whether it was right or wrong, he kept chasing because he said, you know what? I am going to get the job done. I'm not going to stop. You're not going to deter me. You're not going to stop me. I'm going to keep on going. Hey, sometimes we listen to the devil too much and we stop and we need to keep going. He kept chasing after the after Abner, and Abner turned around. He took his spear and he turned around and jabbed right the, under the fifth rib, and he killed him. Went right through him, and he wallowed in his own blood. He listened. He died for a cause. He died for his king. Second man. Second. Who is the second man here? Uriah the Hittite. Uriah got set up by David. David betrayed him. I think, as I studied that passage, and I've preached it before, I think that Uriah even knew he had an inkling that David did him in and messed with his wife. Do you know what Uriah did? He was loyal to the day. Slept at the door. He says, how can I go to fight when my king's men are out to battle? And he knew something was wrong because Joab gave him the death order from David set him in the hottest part of the battle where valiant men die. He knew. 
Because he was one of the 30. He knew. Do you know what? Didn't change his heart. Didn't change him. You know why? I think in his heart of hearts, he says, I'm still going to give David the benefit of the doubt because you know what? I pledge my life to this king and I'm going to help him get the job done. These men chose until death. And by the way, with the exception of Joab, all these men stayed faithful to David through the end. Mighty men do not live with a consumer mentality. You know what consumer mentality is? If I can't get it here, I'll go somewhere else. Hey, wrong idea about church. Wrong idea about church. We don't come to church because... Well, they got a better youth program. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's an insult. we got a great youth program. We have great youth program. We have great leaders here. We've got, you, you, you see what's going on with our teenagers in our church? I mean, th- these are the emerging leaders of our church. Hey, well, we can get a better, I can go to Campus Crusade for Christ and get a better college program. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because first of all, those leaders aren't even saved. Secondly, I'll put Brother Ur and Brother Hauk anytime with their eyes closed. And when they're, and they have a 105 degree fever, I'll put them against them. And they'll still know more Bible and out Bible those guys in terms of their life and in terms of their knowledge against any of those Campus Crusade guys. Well, you don't understand. We Listen, no, 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 no. Well, I could get a ladies' Bible study. You know what? Come to Sunday school. I'm saying tonight, they chose until death. Consumer mentality switches. It's fickle. It's a double-minded mind. We're here to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We're here to advance what God wants us to do. This church is not an accident. And by the way, this church is not to be aborted. This church needs to advance. The kingdom of God goes on. We need men who are devoted men. We need not of mighty men who will step up. Step out. And stir up. Men who take the kingdom forward. They'll be Dynamic. We have some Joshua Beams in the crowd tonight. We have some Benias in the crowd tonight. We have some, some men who can use the right hand and left hand tonight. We have some men like Eliezer tonight. We have some Gadites. We have some men of Zebulon tonight who are double-minded. We're not double, double-hearted in their, in their mind. Hey, do we have some men like the men of Issachar? They were discerning. They had understanding of the time. I'm saying tonight, God gave David men. He didn't, he didn't really know what God was doing there, but God was giving the men that would be the undergirding for building the kingdom there that would be to the glory of God. Hey, listen, we need men who will choose unto death. We're here to help the Lord build His kingdom. We build His kingdom by winning souls. We build His kingdom by discipling by people that get saved. We build His kingdom by teaching people how to become disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. We build His kingdom by launching out and starting extension ministries and building those extension ministries. We, we launch out and we send out missionaries. We build this kingdom one day at a time, one sinner at a time, one salvation at a time. We build His kingdom by getting behind Resurrection Day Sunday. And every Sunday is a big day. We reach souls for Jesus Christ. We get out. Every, listen, tonight, every, it's all about building the kingdom of God. Neither you're in it or you're not in it tonight. Now, if we have a church filled with mighty men, by the way, we do have some mighty men in the church, but we have a church filled with mighty men of faith. I want you to go to the end of chapter 12. Would you do that with me tonight? And I want you to see what a church filled with mighty men does for a church. Follow as I read verses 39 to 40. We're almost done. And there they were with David, verse 39, three days. Eating and drinking. 
for the brethren had prepared for them. Notice verse 40. Moreover, they that were nigh them, even unto Issachar and Zebulun and Naphtali. Watch this. They bought bread on asses and on camels and on mules and on oxen and meat, meal, cakes of figs, bunches of raisins and wine and oil and oxen and sheep abundantly. For there was joy in Israel. Watch this. This is so good. We're done. Chapter 10. Saul's dead. Chapter 9 and 10. Saul's dead. By the way. Something has to die before a kingdom can go on. We, we've got to die to self if the kingdom's going to go on. And by the way, we've got to kill the king, the king Saul inside of him. We've got to kill the king of self tonight, like what happened to David in, in Saul's case. Saul was dead. And so Saul was dead and something had to go on there. And so by these, by these men, as we read here, they came to David in Hebron. Now watch this down. They come to David in Hebron. Hebron means association. Now wherever you read about Hebron, it's such a blessing. Wherever you read about Hebron, Hebron's a picture of faith. Hebron's a picture of fellowship. Hebron's a picture of favor. Hebron's a picture of forgiveness. And Hebron's a picture of, of, of a future. Because when you get down there later on to Caleb, Caleb inherited all of Hebron there. And, and basically he got promised a future. You know why they came to Hebron? Hebron was symbolic of God's working in their life. Forgiveness and favor and faith and faithfulness and a future. These men said there was no future with Saul. Saul was going nowhere. There's a future with David. I'm going to tell you tonight. Praise God tonight. You get associated with Jesus. There's a future with Jesus. Amen. We've got to die to our agenda. And our self-king. And our heathen right now is right here. They made their choice. They made their choice. They chose David. They chose devotion. They chose to be dynamic. They chose to be distanced. They chose to be defenders. They chose to be different. They chose unto death. What do you choose tonight? What do you choose? What do you choose? They made their choice. Make your choice tonight. Vote for Jesus. Get on board. Get enlisted. Get serving. Be dynamic. Be different. Stay into death. Father, tonight we thank you for these mighty men. Encourage our faith and our heart. They made their choice. Some of those men stepped down from being over people and having charge and having the final say. They humbled their hearts and for the rest of their careers, almost 40 years there, those men, they chose David. They said, David, whatever you want, we'll do. Wherever you want us to go, we'll go. Whatever we need to acquire, we'll acquire. And I think of those three men who their names aren't even mentioned. Praise God for that. They went down to Bethlehem and risked their lives to be back cup of water for David from the well of Bethlehem. Father, raise up tonight men that are not status quo. Men that are not sub-performers. Men who are not going to sit around and just watch what's going on, but men who want to be like these mighty men. Men and women tonight who want to be dynamic and different 
and devoted for Christ. This evening, Lord, we pray that as we look forward to the great days ahead, and Lord, the building of this new building and the awesomeness of just all that's entailed with that, Lord, we need people that will get into it with the church and get into it with the Lord. God, help our hearts tonight if we've criticized our church. And help our heart tonight if we look on we look with the John decide things going on and thinking that it's not happening fast enough. And the truth of the matter is, Lord, we've just been kind of status quo or less than that. And for some here tonight, Lord, they're just excited about the church and want to do something for the Lord. And we ask this evening that, Lord, they just the thoughts about these mighty men and they made their choice. We'd make our choice tonight. We're all in. We're all in tonight. We're all in for Jesus. We're all in to serve Him. We're all in to go forward on Resurrection Sunday. We're all in for, for the big day. And we're all in for the all in for Jesus offering on May 21st. We're all in for this year to take a, 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 an enhanced step up in our faith promise missions. We're all in about supporting many more missionaries and church planners. We're all in about the vision of the church and the starting extension ministries and stepping out and taking some risks there, Lord. We're all in about increasing our prayer time, increasing our prayer life. We're all in about taking all the flyers on the table tonight and getting, getting the entire table cleared off and saying, this week I'm going to give those out. We're all in about making phone calls. We're all in tonight to increase and augment the stack of cards and prospects we're going to submit to pray for. God, tonight we're going to be all in about those things. We're going to be all in about our offerings. We're going to be all in about our commitment. We're going to be all in with our children. We're going to be all in and different for God's glory. Oh, tonight, Lord, would you help us this evening, Lord, to be stirred out of being lukewarm and indifferent and callous and cold. And Lord, this evening, light a fire under us tonight and stir up the gift that's in us, Lord, that was given to us by you at the day of salvation. Stir us up, Lord, tonight. Give us conviction. Give us a fire. Give us the desire to do something great for God. And if tonight someone here is not saved, Lord, I beg you this evening, they'd open their heart and call upon the name of the Lord to save them tonight. And Lord, for those who need to take the next step of obedience and baptism or some other area there, Lord, help us to take that step unashamedly tonight just to go forward for the Lord. Now tonight, as they made their choice, now we give the invitation. Help us to make our choice. We pray for this in Jesus' name. The pianist is going to play. Let's stand. If you need to come tonight, you come with me and let's make our choice at the altar tonight. What's your choice tonight? They chose to be devoted. They chose David. They chose to be different. They chose to be dynamic. They chose unto death. What's your choice tonight? Would you come tonight? What's your choice? And no choice means you didn't choose Jesus. What's your choice tonight? Let's choose tonight. Let's choose tonight. You say, well, do I have to do it here? Man, tell the Lord you love Him. Amen? Tell Jesus you love Him. You're committed to Him. Make your choice tonight. Make your choice. here tonight you're not sure you're saved Jesus loves you he died on the cross for your sins he gave his all for you he held nothing back he offers you the gift of eternal life how about today open your heart's door call upon the Lord to save you tonight maybe you want to get saved maybe turn to the person next to you and say hey I want to get saved would you go with me and somebody here at the front can help me get saved why don't you do that tonight tugging somebody's sleeve next to you. So would you go with me? I want to learn how to get saved. Would you come tonight? Something bothering your heart about going to the next level? Let's go to the next level. Let's do it for the Lord. Would you come tonight? Father, this evening we are so thankful this evening for these men, the names mentioned here, the deeds, the devotion, the dynamic the difference, 
Lord, such an encouragement to live for the Lord. Such an encouragement to look at what you've given to us and go way beyond where we've ever gone before. Father, we need help. We need enablement like these men. We need to work at it. Those men who could hurl a stone with the right and left, that didn't happen overnight. They practiced that. They spent many hours in the field until they perfected what they were doing. Lord, help us not to give up. Help us not to be quitters. Help us to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor for the Lord is not in vain. Help us to be helpers as they were to David, the helpers to the work of God. And They said to David, Thine are we, and we are your helpers. God, may we just see tonight from the hearts of our membership a desire to go forward for the Lord. As this week comes upon us, we ask this evening that you'd bless this week, give us open doors, avenues of opportunities, people to talk to, people to encourage, people to give the gospel to. We pray even during this week that, Lord, you'd help us to just, as we move towards Sunday, to get many commitments to be in church this coming Sunday for the Resurrection Day service. We pray for souls to be saved. We pray, God, you prepare us in getting people we know to come to the big day. And that'll be such a wonderful day just in seeing lots of our friends and, and people we meet just come to church and people who've come before come back to church and hear the Word of God preached and the Gospel especially that they might be saved. Father, help us with our timidness and our shyness and our fears, our inabilities. And my Lord, would you equip us and strengthen us tonight. Father, undertake for many of our brothers and sisters tonight who in this room are carrying burdens and heaviness in their hearts. And I pray, God, that you'll see them through all that. Pray that you show as the choir began tonight that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I pray for Brother AJ's daughter, Sarah, that you'd break the fever she has. And God, let her, let her fever return back to normal, 98.6. Father, we pray for others who are sick tonight. You touch your bodies with wellness. For Brother Joel, who's sick tonight, God, touch his body with wellness. We pray, Lord, for the Chan family, for Jamin, Lord, who's battling with cancer. And, Lord, there's no answers right now. We pray, Father, that there be divine healing on Jamin. Father, God, we pray for little Marie McCoy, God, that poor little 10-year-old girl enduring such pain and torment, saying, Daddy, I want to go home. God, take away the tumor. Take away the headache. Take away the throbbing. Give her a normal brain. God, take away the cancer out of her body. Give her a normal body, we pray. Pray for others in our church, God, struggling with so many other issues there, their family issues and other struggles that are going on. Father, may your grace be more than sufficient for our needs tonight. Father, dismiss us tonight knowing that, Lord, you love us and, Lord, you make your face to shine upon us and, Lord, that your favor is on us tonight. And as we go forth this evening, we can go forth with confidence knowing that, God, you're on our side. Dismiss us with your blessing. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. A few announcements, then I'll let you go tonight. Um, ladies, this Thursday at 10 o'clock, of our Joyful Ladies Bible Study, which will be here at the church at 10 o'clock at the chapel. Ladies, be there for that. It'll be a wonderful time. If you're not already committed to something, be here for that. And we have a good group of ladies to come and uh, plan to bring a refreshment or two. They bring refreshments, have a wonderful time at Felcher. You come for that. That's our monthly thing. And then if you didn't submit a card for prospect for, that you want prayed for, would you bring that? By the way, last Sunday we got a... Brother Vaughn, you correct me, but I think we had a stack about this stick here that, that came in. It was in Brother Vaughn's desk we were going through. And if you have somebody you want us to pray for, give it to us so we can pray for those, those people there and submit those prospect cards if you would. And then let's be much in prayer this week. Every day take about five minutes to pray for this coming Sunday and uh, all that pertains to that. And then for the big day coming April 30th. Now, some of you tonight are in the... 
uh, the second of the uh, after evening service building meetings that you've been invited to. And if you would, I'm going to dismiss you now. If you need to get your kids, go get your kids. I'll dismiss you now. You'll meet me over there in the chapel there for that meeting And because uh, I have another meeting right after this. So you meet us there. And if you already know your time, just show up on time for that. If you're not part of those meetings, please see one of the staff members, and we'll make sure you get included there. If we missed you by accident, please make sure we get you on there from one of those meetings. That will be a blessing. I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week this week.